Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. So let's talk to Mike Costell, who at the time in 1976 was the vice president of baseball programming for Major League Baseball. Mike, good morning. Thanks so much for coming on. So one day I'm driving back from Florida with my kids from spring break. We went to Disneyland and I'm in Virginia and I get pulled over by a cop, you know, and I'm telling him, look, my daughter's got to go to the bathroom. And all of a sudden my phone rings. So I said, officer, and I looked down and I see it's Peter's number. And I said, officer, do you mind if I pick up the phone? I'm sorry, it's important. He goes, sure, son, take your time. I've got all day. I said, Peter, I'm getting a speeding ticket in, speeding ticket in Virginia. He goes, oh, let me talk to the officer. So I give the phone to the cop and I said, it's Columbo. So he walks away, talks to Peter, hands me back the phone, says, son, if your daughter still needs to use the bathroom, there's a Shoney's about a mile up. I would go there rather than the bathroom. Have a nice day. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Oh, man. I love that during a conversation about this week in baseball last week with one of the originators of the show, Mike Costell, Maybe the best stuff to come out of it were some of his stories when he was the producer of Inside the Actors Studio. And having having Peter Falk in your back pocket for when you get pulled over for a speeding ticket is just awesome. Good morning, everybody. It is me, Matt Spiegel, right here on 670 The Score. I've been having some fun week after week after week. Uh, Major League Baseball is awesome, but not essential for Major League Baseball conversation. And we're learning that and continuing to live that right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. This hour of which is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call one eight seven seven cars for kids The producer is Sean Anderson back at the shop. Me, I am home along with you hanging out. And there's a lot coming up today. Uh, One of the great home run stealers of all time who has lived a long and bizarre, fascinating baseball life. The bandit, Ken Berry, former White Sox, former um, walk-on player in Eight Men Out and technical advisor to John Sayles in one of the great baseball movies of all time, will be uh, on the show today at 11 o'clock. I just realized that three different baseball movies are going to make appearances here, right? I, I think three, because a couple others have, have, have come up, because we have a local Chicago vocal veteran who has made a very interesting movie analogy for a baseball movie. We will get to that. And we have lots of other stuff to get to, and not the least of which is a conversation with Greg Maddox at 10 o'clock. The smartest pitcher of all time? You could argue that. The greatest pitcher 
of all time, you could conceivably argue that. You really could. Four pitchers have topped 3,000 strikeouts while having allowed fewer than 1,000 walks. Think about that. Striking out a lot of guys and not walking a lot of guys. Those four pitchers are Fergie Jenkins, Kurt Schilling, Pedro Martinez, and Greg Maddox. Seven, 17 straight seasons in which he recorded 15 or more wins is absolutely ridiculous. And we know about the importance of the win and the difficulty in giving that to pitchers. But when you look at it in the macro and look about that entirety of a career and realize it means you pitched a lot and you were healthy, realize it means, yes, you were on a lot of good teams, but you also went very deep in games and you always gave your team a chance to win. It is absolutely remarkable. In 94 and 95, I could do this all day. In 94 and 95, Greg Maddox had back-to-back ERAs under 1.80. In that era, 94-95, two years in a row, ERAs under 1.80. And he was the first guy to do that since Walter Johnson in 1918 and 1919. We could play the impossible Maddox stat game all day. I played a little of it with him in conversation. I thoroughly geeked out on pitching with Greg Maddox. I mean, really, after geeking out with Kyle Hendricks and Lucas Giolito and and guys like that who really love and study the game, um, had a chance to talk to to the man himself, to the professor himself, the original professor, and Greg Maddox. So you'll you'll hear that at 10 o'clock. Very much looking forward to it. Along the way, also Chris Kampka, my guy, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. Chris Kamka will join us at 11.40, as he just about always does here on Hit and Run. Along the way, your phone calls, your texts, not just welcome, but elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. 312-644-6767 is the phone number to talk some baseball. 670-11 to text us on a Sunday morning when we're supposed to hit 55 degrees. It is sunny out. Should be a lovely day for baseball, except without the baseball. I know it sucks, right? It absolutely sucks. Leave it to Vin Scully to reference the perfect quote to sum up how I feel whenever we talk about it. Is there going to be baseball? People ask me. I talk about it with you. Hey, look, there's another suggestion and another model. I love Tom Verducci's, by the way. And we will talk about that at some point because it might have to be a limit to 50 games or less, and Verducci actually has a plan that seems to make some sense. We'll get to that at some point today. But listen to Vin Scully. This was in a promotional video that the Dodgers put out. I think they put it out today. I know I saw it today for the first time, and it is a beautiful video about their ballpark renovations, and there's lots of pictures of the newly remodeled Dodger Stadium with nobody in it. And they got their guy, Vin Scully, to reference it. And he's talking about when opening day might be. And he references one of the great philosophers in the history of sports, or really in the history of our times. I think it's Aristotle, it's Albert Camus, um, maybe Kurt Vonnegut, and Yogi Berra. Here's Vin Scully. We can't wait to see you back at the ballpark. We hope the amazing additions created by this renovation will give you an experience that you will treasure now more than ever. When exactly will that return to Dodger Stadium take place? Well, as the noted baseball philosopher Yogi Berra once said, 
I wish I had an answer to that because I'm tired of answering that question. So in the meantime, stay healthy, stay safe, and sometime soon, opening day will be on the horizon. Oh, Vin is the best, and Yogi was the best, and that quote is perfect. All right, so next time somebody asks you or asks me, um, Sean Anderson, uh, about when baseball is coming back, I wish I had an answer for that because I sure am tired of answering that question. <laughs> yeah, we have all of our shorthanded ways to say uh, when scientists say it's okay to return from uh, yes. last week, too. Yes, we started to touch on this last week. I need, I need a shorthand word that is the caveat. So, like before we talk about, say, the Verducci plan or the Arizona plan or the uh, the cactus grapefruit Bob Nightingale plan, all these are are getting named after the people who leaked the information, right? Or my 100 game plan uh, with uh, Dodger Stadium getting the neutral field world series that report I reported on a couple of weeks ago. So before we talk about these plans, I need a, a, a one word caveat so I can say, of course, there are more important things in the world and we all must follow the scientists and our health professionals. And none of this may happen that we are discussing because it may be in our nation's best interest to do the right thing and simply not have any sports for the entire calendar year. Yes, I know all of that. Now, can we just talk about the plan, right? So all of that, I'm tired of spending that 30 seconds. Frankly, I'm exhausted by spending that 30 seconds with all of you. And I need like a one word acronym for it, or just like something that I can say. and people texted in some ideas last week. We held on to a couple. Uh, WEMA or WEMA with expert medical approval. You know, WEMA, comma, and then just go into it. That'd be good if I could get everybody on board with it. Um, pandemic pending. <laughs> right? It sounds like a punk band. Right. Oh, man. I, I saw them. I saw them uh, one time at, uh, at the Fireside Bowl. God, they were good. Uh, Jesus Lizard was on that show too. David Yao just jumping into the crowd like a crazy MFer. Pandemic pending. Um, how about uh, uh, instead of babip, kadip? Someone had texted in the COVID average decrease infection percentage. I don't know that that makes any sense as an acronym, but I sure do like it. Kadip or COVID pending. You know, all of these are too long. Balk. Can I just say balk? Like, you know, let's let's all just balk ourselves forward. I guess what I'm really looking for as I think about this is that like the intentional walk is now just a finger point. You know, it's just like the manager points at the ump, the ump points at the player and then points at first. That's all we need. I I don't want to have to say the the 30 second, 45 second caveat. Ah, six seven eleven. If you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to help, uh, and and help me out, you're trying to figure out what the, you know, what the short term, just the shorthand caveat is, so we can just go ahead and get to the damn plan. 
670 the score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're with. It is hit and run. We'll take those all throughout the morning. Um, want to ask you something in, in regards to the Cubs front office and the White Sox front office. This is the topic for discussion here in our number one. The whole town is buzzing about our tourist Karnashovas. Really, the town is buzzing about the Bulls for two things. One, the last dance begins tonight, and you'd bet your bippy that is appointment viewing at this house for me and the wife, and we're going to have a Sunday night live television thing to rally around as a nation in a way that we haven't since the Sopranos. I mean, my God. Everybody's starved for content, and here we are, the compelling Chicago Bulls, and I'd like to apologize to the descendants of Jerry Krause for the tremendous amount of crap that's going to be coming his way for these next 10 episodes. You know it's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of Krause hate, as there was for the team at the time. But anyway, that's not why you called. So the, t- the whole town is buzzing about the last dance, which starts tonight, and about Arturis Karnaschovitz, the new Bulls boss. John Paxson moves himself further upstairs and sideways as an advisor. Oh, my God, it actually happened. And Gar Foreman is gone. Oh, my God, it actually happened. And it reminds me of the moments that we have been lucky enough to watch and view and live through in this town regarding the Cubs and the Sox. You remember the moments. As Arturis Karnaschovas talked this week, I and Sean Anderson, we found ourselves thinking about Theo and Rick Hahn. First, listen to Karnaschovas and what he talked about um, in his his conference call, which was, of course, conducted via Zoom. And I, I don't know who played the role of Grandpa. Are you on mute? Are you still the bottom left of the screen hit? There's a micro. Damn it. There's always somebody, right? I don't know who that was amongst Bulls media. But anyway, here's Karnaschovas talking about the overall goal and the dream for the Bulls as he takes over and completely changes course. This is my dream. Uh, Our ultimate goal is clearly to bring an NBA championship to the city of Chicago. Uh, That is what every team in NBA strives for. Uh, All we can control is our approach and the process behind every decision. Uh, A firm foundation is absolutely vital. Uh, I'll build that here in Chicago. Uh, No skipping steps. Uh, There is a systematic approach to success that will be uh, the product of focus and intentional hard work and diligence. Uh, We will strive for constant improvement With the excitement that Bulls fans now feel is very reminiscent of what it felt like when Theo Epstein got here. And I think it is reminiscent uh, of how White Sox fans felt at different times, sort of incrementally. When Rick Hahn took over from Kenny Williams, that was one thing, and they embarked upon what they tried to do, which was you know, trade for OPP, other people's prospects, and get things going. But then there was a moment when Rick Hahn had to admit what they were doing, and they really shifted course in the proper way. You remember what I'm talking about? This is the summer of 2016, as the trade deadline was approaching, and the White Sox were in trouble. And this is the moment that I always think about when the Sox changed course. You know, we started this process. No, no, go ahead, Sean. You got it. This is. You know, we started this process during the 2013 season, and we did 
did it with an eye of trying to compete at the big league level as quickly as possible. Uh, we did not go down the path of doing a full organizational rebuild. Instead, we looked to get ourselves right as quickly as possible. There was a spurt this season where it looked like it had worked. Uh, as we sit here today, as we've been wrestling with being a couple games over, a couple games under 500 for the last few weeks, uh, you know, we're mired in mediocrity. And that's not, that's not the goal, that's not acceptable, that's not what we're trying to accomplish for the long term. Uh, it may well be a decent turnaround in a short period of time, but the goal was to put ourselves in a position to win a championship, and being stuck at 500 or around 500 doesn't do that. That was an admission. That was a level of honesty we had not heard. That was him talking about what the plan was in 2013, and there they were in 2016, having to admit that that plan had failed. After admitting in 2013 that Kenny Williams' bye-bye-bye, every trade deadline plan, had eventually failed. And I know there was a lot of doubt about what Rick Hahn was going to do and whether this was going to be clean enough, the separation between what the White Sox used to do and what they do now. But here we are in 2020, and I think we can look at that moment in 2016 and realize, oh, yes, oh, yes, things really absolutely did change. You know what they did that trade deadline. You know what they did that offseason and the next offseason and the how they stopped prioritizing winning on the big league level. How they stockpiled those young arms. How they brought in Nick Hostetler and brought in Chris Getz and changed the way they do things up to now where they finally have Rap Soto and they have all the technology. We know and we can say that that was a clear delineation, a change of focus and a change of approach. And it has worked to the extent that they are one of the most exciting young teams in baseball with an enviable future and an excited fan base. We don't know that they're going to win, but we've never known whether these plans would work, right? But where they are now is a hell of a lot better place to be than they were in 2016. Hell of a lot better. And they're set up for several years of relevance and hopefully a long run of sustained success. And that phrase is one that we really talked about mostly after hearing Theo Epstein say it on October 25th, 2011. So while we think about Arturis Karnaschovas, and I just played you Rick Hahn, remember what it felt like to hear Theo Epstein on October 25th of 2011 as he told you what the plan was going to be. And there was no guarantee that it would work. But here's how Theo put it as part of that opening day press conference for his regime as boss of the Cubs. To me, you know, baseball is better with tradition. Uh, baseball is better with history. Baseball is better with fans who care. Uh, baseball is better in ballparks like this. You know, baseball is better during the day. Uh, and baseball is best of all when you win. You know, that ultimately is why I'm here today. With this ownership and with this fan support, I firmly believe that we can preserve all those things I just mentioned that make the, makes, make the Cubs so special and, over time, build a consistent winner, a team that is playing baseball in October regularly and a team that will ultimately win the World Series. Now, you know what happened. I mean, that's amazing. I get I get chills thinking about it just because, I mean, a couple of reasons. Obviously, Theo is a great speaker and always has been. Second of all, he mapped it out and it happened. It is 
almost a curse on some level, a different kind of curse. And I use that term very loosely. And I ought to be careful how I use it regarding the Cubs, obviously. But that their rebuild and build went so perfectly. Five years, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Three years of losing, one bonus year of contention where they made the NLCS, and then they win the whole damn thing. But he mapped it out for you, and that's the moment. That's where Bulls fans are, is that moment, October 2011, where Cub fans were. And I believe where White Sox fans, you know, slowly got to. And maybe you White Sox fans know a, a different moment. I always go back to mired in mediocrity, that moment when, when Rickon said it in the dugout. But you didn't know for sure whether to trust him. I think by now you've learned that you should because of where you are and how things have gone. So there we are. We think about these three organizations here on the baseball show and hit and run with me, Matt Spiegel, and 670 The Score. Greg Maddox at the top of the hour. Ken Berry at 11 o'clock. Chris Kampke at 1140. Here's the question for you. Now that Arturis Karnaschovas is here and you're thinking about that franchise as one that is just embarking, I've asked the question, who, what is the most dysfunctional front office in town? And I think it's, I think it's the Bears. Who's most in trouble? of anybody in terms of a position of power as a team builder in town. I think it's the Bears. I think Ryan Pace is on the hottest seat. He is the most in trouble. The hottest seat of anybody in town is Ryan Pace. Maybe you'd say it's Stan Bowman. But those guys are one too, right? Where are Rick Hahn in that conversation and Theo Epstein? Where are those guys in that conversation? Are the Cubs and the White Sox front offices the safest in the city? After Arturis Karnaschovas? Yes, I think so. What would it take to get Theo Epstein into hot water, into uh, an outcry for people to want a job to be changed? What would it take for Rick Hahn to be in trouble? For Sox fans to say, man, we need somebody else here. I think we're a long way away for both of those guys. And maybe you think it's closer for one or the other. Want to talk with you guys at 312-644-6767. Those moments of delineation for the three franchises and really for the Cubs and Sox, do you agree about those moments of the change? And what would it take for Theo to become in trouble? What would it take for Rick Hahn to become in trouble? Your text at 6711, your phone calls at 312-644-6767. Also, uh, we appreciate your acronyms and your shorthand caveats that are coming in. We're going to stockpile those, save those, and bring them to you all before Greg Maddox at the top of the hour. You're listening to Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hello? Hello. Hello, is this you? Hello. 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 Hello, this is Rick. Hello. Am I on? Hello. I can't hear him, hon. Hello. Hello. Okay, hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, are you there? <laughs> are you guys messing with me? Hello. Okay, hello, everybody. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, hello. Let's talk about the White Sox. You're listening to Hit and Run, the Scores Baseball Show, right here on 670 to score. Matt Spiegel here with you on a Sunday morning, as always, and you guys hanging out with me at 312-644-6767. You can text at 670-11, top of the hour, the professor himself, not Kyle Hendricks, the, the original one, the real one, Greg Maddox, will join us to talk pitching, geeking out about pitching. Greg, tell me about your changeup. And your thoughts, and just let him go. The end your thoughts mechanic, as invented by uh, me and Dan McNeil uh, nine years ago, ten years ago, on a morning when it was me and Hub Arkish hosting after the Bears and Vikings game. And I said, Hub, the game last night, your thoughts. And I opened my arm to him and just let him roll. That's kind of how I wanted it to be with Maddox. Uh, you'll hear it at 10 o'clock, as well as some excellent charitable work he's doing in honor of his own 54th birthday, finding a way to turn that into positive. 670, the score is where you are. So I asked the question, I asked a couple of questions, wanted some of your acronyms, some shorthand help so I can use a caveat about when baseball will come back. And you guys have given us those. But then also asked you, what would it take for Rick Hahn or Theo Epstein to be in trouble in the front office. In honor of Arturis Karnaschovas coming here and people being excited about a new brain trust there, what would it take? Lots of texts have come in at 670-11. I'll read those for you. And we've got a couple of phone calls as well. Let's go to one of those right now. It's Aaron is in Bucktown. Aaron, you're on the score. Good morning. Welcome to Hit and Run. What's going on? Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Um, it's calling I think when it's, Rick Hahn, that the you know the hot seat, it's cool right now, but it can heat up real fast if they fall off a cliff because he hasn't won anything. He just won the off season, so all the goodwill could just dissipate real quick. And uh, you know Jerry, Jerry won't fire him anyway, so I think his heat is <laughs> it should be hotter, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that seat is is, um, is incredibly comfortable. That that's for sure. I, I've I've joked before about. Kenny Williams and John Paxson sharing a room in uh, Jerry Reinsdorf's mansion. They share bunk beds. Uh, maybe they have their own suite. And obviously, uh, Rick is there as well. But, you know, it, it, Sox, when would Sox fans get upset? When would they get upset with Han? You're right that he hasn't won anything yet. But that's there's a plus and a minus there. He's not expected to win anything. If there is a season this year and they don't, win anything but they you know win 89 games 90 games and whatever that would be prorated for however many games we actually get in i don't think rick is in trouble at all 
But if they go a couple years and there's no playoffs, start to get some grumpy people. Here, here's the thing, and a texture says it well. Han is safer now, but time will tell. History shows very few prospects turned into what they were supposed to be. His ability to add veterans and add pieces will be instrumental. There'll also come a point, like the Cubs, where they have to sacrifice prospects for major league pieces. So we'll see how that all pans out. That is, of course, true. Remember sitting here in 2014 and uh, early 2015 and knowing, all right, all these prospects the Cubs are putting together, some of these are going to get traded, and they're going to get traded for important pieces. And one of them was Glaber Torres. Be nice to have him back, but you got a World Series out of a role as Chapman. One of them was Jorge Soler. Be nice to have him back, but Wade Davis was brilliant for a year and was not the problem in you not getting to another World Series. It'd be nice to have some of those guys back. Be nice to have uh, Dylan Cease back and Eloy Jimenez back. <clears throat> but that trade for Jose Quintana seemed to make a lot of sense at the time. That's the one that looks bad in retrospect. Does not look very good in retrospect. That, my friends, is a loss. I mean, Q can still do some wonders with a great year this year, if there is a year. See, there's that caveat. There's the caveat. I need it again. If there is a year. That, that's terrible. I'm going to get to some of your suggestions on that. But, you know, Jose Quintana could make that trade look okay, look survivable if he is one of your top two or three pitchers in a World Series year, right? Like in, in, a, in a full season, imagining a full season, if you will. If Q, you know, gave you 25 quality starts and an ERA of about three and a half and you went to the World Series and he won a couple of playoff games for you, helped you win a couple of playoff games, you'd have a different feeling about that trade, but that's what it would take is that kind of stuff. All right, some of your options here for the uh, the, the pandemic pending, for the, the acronym, and I appreciate it. Here's one, OTAC, once things are cool. <laughs> I like that, because it fits with my good vibes, babe. OTAC, O-T-A-C, OTAC, then this plan could work well for baseball. I like that one, I'm gonna hold on to OTAC. OTAC's got a chance. Uh, here's a texture who appreciates my guagi for football terms. Go up and get it instead of talking about high point or catch radius or that kind of thing. We're looking for wide receivers with guagi, like Randy Moss, the king of guagi. This texture says, guafi, given uncertainty about future infections. That's beautiful. Guafi, I am looking forward to baseball being back around the 4th of July. Guafi. <laughs> I'll take that under ridiculous advisement. Uh, Speaks, just say PP, pandemic pending. Only answer as in PP. So look, PP, I think the 43 game plan is the best. That's pretty good too. Sean, I don't know. Those are three pretty good ones right there. Yeah, I, I, I think the issue with PP though is it might sound a little immature, but again, that might work for this radio station. <laughs> Well, as long as you're talking about the item and not the act, I think we're safe. I believe that's how the FCC goes these days. Um, this texture says, bored, baseball obsolete regarding enforced determination. 
I appreciate your creativity, but saying bored is never a good thing for a talk show host. I mean, that's pretty much my one job is to not make you bored. I mean, that's all I got. What about what about when this person just said when scientist says it's okay to return or the abbreviation W S S I O T R? That's not a mouthful and easy to remember. Oh yeah, okay, that's great, and and, and it, it pronounces well too. So that's Wissi Otter. Is that what that is? Yeah, Wissi Otter, of course. Oh sure, of course, of course, everybody would know exactly what that it's means. Greek. <laughs> Come on, people. Can't, I can't say Wissi Otter. This one says scuba shelter contained under baseball analyzed. Oh God. Now, and Elise really likes Wema. Um, and, and what was Wema again? Wema is W-E-M-A. And that, that With was... With expert medical approval. I like that. With expert medical approval. All right. So maybe we should set up a little Twitter, a Twitter vote with Guafi, Otak, PP, and Wema. I think those are the four that are winners at this point. And I use the term winners extremely loosely. Extremely. Go to the phone lines. Ron is on the south side on the score. What's up, Ron? How are you? Good morning. Hey, man. Hey, hey man. Look here. Baseball still life. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that conversation with, with, with Greg Maddox. But um, to your question, um, Rick Hahn, the one Sir. thing that could really cause him some problems, those if the pitchers, if these pitchers, if Kopech, it doesn't come back, and it's not what he's projected to be. Uh, you know, we got to still see about Giolito, Dylan Cease. We really don't know about these pitchers yet, and that's the one thing with any baseball team is the unpredictability of, of pitchers. So uh, I think even more than position players, you, you're going to win or lose with your pitchers, and the jury is kind of still out. So, that's that that that's pretty much it. Again, looking forward to um, the, the Greg Maddox piece. Have a good day. Always a pleasure, Matt. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate you. Yeah, no, that's for sure. You don't know exactly how it's going to work out with some of those arms. Fun to talk to Mike Rizzo yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse as he gave his reasoning for the Adam Eaton trade, which brought the White Sox Lucas Giolito and Renato Lopez and Dane Dunning is the third piece in that deal, right? Look it up for me, Sean. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, but three different arms, um, and Giolito is the one who has bloomed into the full-blown ace. And it made sense at the time for Mike Rizzo, and obviously a World Series title where Adam Eaton was an essential part of their lineup and was an effective part of their offense in the, uh, in the World Series makes that trade look like a good old-fashioned baseball trade that worked out for both teams. Must be nice when you are the Nats and you can spend $30 million on Patrick Corbin to augment your relationship or your rotation without the presence of, uh, of Giolito, without the presence of Lopez and Dunning or anybody like that. You got all three right. It's Giolito, Lopez, Dunning. All right. This is, is our game. You got it. Yeah. See, we know this stuff. Um, but it, it's... You know, Giolito is the one that has bloomed, and the Sox need more of them to bloom. That includes Dylan Cease, because great stuff is not enough. It's just not enough. You got to be smart. You got to have a plan. You have to uh, be attentive. You have to be on point. You have to be mindful. And some of these guys get it, and some of these guys do not. 
Texter's at 670.11 talking about Theo and Rick Hahn. Texter says, Theo will create his own hot water, much like he did in Boston. It won't be overbearing ownership this time, but a fan base. He will leave of his own accord. Next two years are paramount. Uh, the contract is up after 2021. That's where it stands for Theo. And I've always kind of thought he was 10 and done. Just as he said, Bill Walsh had once told him that 10 years is what you got. And 10 years is what you is, is what you got out of him essentially in Boston. So yeah, 2021 would be would be that decade, and Theo will be ready for another challenge of some kind. But what they're doing in trying to expand the window, trying to widen the period of contention, is uh, is a surprise to some. It is certainly a surprise to some who thought they were just going to flame out and let it burn to the ground after 2021. Texture on what could get Theo in trouble. A bad Bryant trade and no playoff appearance out of this season. If, of course, there is a season. Guafi, Otak, PP, Wima. Those are some options. A couple more coming in uh, on 670.11. We're safe now. WSN? You'd have to keep the question mark going. WSN? (laughs) I don't know if I want to put a question mark in there. WRAC, weighted recovery against coronavirus. That's pretty good. WRAC. Sounds like a stat. Interesting stat. Uh, Postco, post-COVID-19. Postco, that's pretty good. I don't know, I kind of like Postco. Postco. By the way, if you haven't seen it, um, me and my bandmates in Tributosaurus had some ridiculous fun with a COVID Eileen uh, parody. We had to, the idea came, and then I wrote the thing and had some great fun, and uh, uh, David Blameyers sang the hell out of it. Then our guy Russ Matera right here at the score mixed the hell out of it, and then my friend Tom Ordover made a video with all the members of Tributosaurus in there. Uh, did you give it a watch, Sean? I, I think um, some of the bandmates were very entertaining in their video contributions. Yeah, got got a watch out of it, and I first heard it on uh, McNeil and Parkins when they aired it. Oh, there you it. go. There you go. Well, uh, we can play it for a moment here as we go to break, and I will tweet out the link in a matter of moments for COVID-19. More to come. Greg Maddox at the top of the hour right here on 670 The Score. With Matt Spiegel, Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Oh, that's true, Russ Matera. You, you tell no lies, sir. So, 
Greg Maddox um, really used to do very little media, now does a little bit more. And we address that in the conversation that you'll hear at the top of the hour. But he's been doing a little more. And in fact, you can see him on the Marquee Sports Network coming up this Friday at 5.30. Uh, Ryan Dempster's Off the Mound show has debuted on Marquee. The first episode had Mike Trout on it. <clears throat> if you didn't see it, it's pretty funny. I'll, I'll tweet out a link. Uh, he gave Mike Trout solid diapering advice as Trout's baby is coming. Dempster is a is a good dude and a very interesting baseball talker. If you and you would know if you've listened to this show, we've now had Dempster on twice for extended periods of time. A lot of times people are like like, oh, that's the guy who does the Harry Carey, and he should stop doing that. Well, he's he's a hell of a lot more than that. And off the mound is great. So that's coming up this Friday at 5:30 on Marquee Sports Network. Dempster's off the mound show, and Greg Maddox is on that. Looking forward to that very much. Uh, speaking of Marquis, by the way, if anybody had not caught this news from during the week, um, they've started a show every day, Monday through Friday. It airs at 6 o'clock called Cubs 360. Uh, tomorrow is the beginning of week three of Cubs 360, and it's Cole Wright with a panel of baseball people talking about Cubs news and baseball news and uh, anything else that uh, that pops up in the sports universe, and I'm a part of that show. So i um, pretty excited to be part of something that is starting. It's nice to be starting something. You want to be starting something, got to be starting something. In this particular media climate, this particular baseball climate, to be a part of anything that is starting is awesome. And to be a part of the offense over there at Marquee is pretty cool. So check that out. Um, weekdays at 6 o'clock. I am on tomorrow on Monday. It'll be my second Monday in a row. That might be my regular slot. We're trying to... Figure that out. We'll see. But very, very cool to be a part of that show tomorrow on Marquee or via the app. And no, I do not have any updates on the network and Xfinity and all that stuff. I know opening day was and is going to be a big um, hammer in those negotiations for both sides. That's how it always has worked out for networks when they get launched. So now there being the absence of an opening day, we'll see. It, uh, it would be lovely if, uh, if Marquis and Xfinity could come to an agreement, that's for sure. And maybe, and maybe circumstances will push them towards that. I don't know. No inside information right here. But, um, but anyway, so that's what's going on over at, uh, over at Marquis and with me. And also, I told you Greg Maddox is going to be on with Ryan Dempster on Friday. Yesterday, me and Bruce Levine had Rick Sutcliffe on the show. And... Sutcliffe talked to us as he as he can do to anybody for hours and hours and hours. It was great stuff with uh, with Sutcliffe and listen to him talking about Maddox as a rookie because Maddox was terrible as a rookie in 87, six and 14 with a 5.61 ERA. And Sutcliffe said they were noticing something. Eventually they noticed something in the dugout. He's five and 15. We can't figure it out. All of a sudden, a guy hit what should have been a stand up triple. And he stopped at second base. And Dick Pohl looked at me and he said, did you see that? And I went, yeah. I go, what's going on? He goes, let's go take a look when the game's over. We went up and looked at video from the center field camera. Greg Maddox was tipping every pitch that he threw. You know to throw a changeup, you've got to have your glove wider than you do with the fastball. That base runner stopped at second base because he wanted to give the signs to the hitter. If he got to third base, he wasn't going to be able to do that. 
Once Greg Maddox heard about that, he eventually was able to turn it around. He would put a change-up grip in his glove, and he'd let the base runner at second base relay it to the hitter. And then as he started his, his delivery, a stretch, he would change it to a fastball and just totally, totally mess up the opponent. That was the end of that. And, of course, what was it, 355 wins later, yeah. uh, Mr. Maddox is at Cooperstown. That's awesome. So they noticed, man, why is that dude stopping at second? That That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, oh, he wants to be there. He would like to be there so he, he can get the signs and relay the signs. And you'll hear Maddox talk about it, how basically he said you could see what pitch he was throwing for his entire career if you looked at the grip in his glove. But he just started using it against people. Started just using it against people. Uh, I would say that Maddox is the greatest of all time. He's right up there. Him and Pedro Martinez. Those two guys I keep coming back to. Randy Johnson as well. But just because of the difficulty of the eras in which they pitched with all the PEDs and and the proliferation of, of uppercut swings and all the bombs and everything like that, for them to put up those numbers is just outrageous. If Pedro went a little bit longer and had a few more counting stats, I'd probably say Pedro. But Maddox's ability to stay healthy, that that's the thing, is that that dude was able to repeat his delivery over and over and over again for all those years. And for the entirety of the career, if you would ask people to dissect his delivery on a given pitch, turn on a given pitch on a random inning and say, is this inning number two of start number 10 during the course of the year? Or is this inning number seven of start number 30 of the season, you couldn't tell. The body language didn't change. The mechanics didn't change. The execution didn't change. The facial expression didn't change. And that is, is, is a gift and also a level of discipline that is not appreciated enough. You know, in football now, it's common parlance to say, you know, the best ability is availability. Well, that is, of course... So true for starting pitchers. Show up. Start 30 games for me. Can you do that? Maddox did it. Six years in a row from 88 to 93. And then 11 years in a row. 11 years in a row from 96 to 2005 or 2006. So six years in a row and then 11 years in a row of at least 30 starts. I believe John Lester is coming off of, is it 13 straight years of 30 starts for Lester? Or it might be 11. Look that up real quick, Sean. And I know he's got the longest streak of anybody in baseball. People don't do this anymore. And we're talking about the 90s and the 2000s as recently as that. 12 years for John Lester with 30 plus starts. 12 years of 30-plus starts in a row. I know he and CC Sabathia were the only ones with 11, and then Lester made it 12, and he's the only one there. So just, just showing up, and that is not talked about enough. You're talking about a guy in Maddox who started out, yeah, he threw 93, sometimes 94 at the, at the beginning, but then towards the end, 
He's throwing 86. And by the end, I mean like the last 10 years of a career. When he was still having years with ERAs in the twos and the low threes. And that stretch, the four straight Cy Young Awards between 92 and 95. One with the Cubs and three with the Braves, as you know. But that stretch, just absolutely outrageous. He led the league in ERA three out of those four years. Led the league in innings all for five seasons in a row in that stint. Led the league in whip for three seasons in there. Just remarkable. And, and the three, health is a... 327 postseason ERA. 327. 327 postseason ERA? Yeah. I thought it was a little... See, that's the thing. People... Yeah, it is 327 in 13 years. You're right. There, there, was, there was a while there where people thought about him as a failure in, in the postseason. But just because the wins were not there... He was, he was not a failure. There were lots of games where he pitched well. There was a couple where he got destroyed. That's for sure. He, he, he got destroyed in his, his one Cubs playoff game against the Giants in, in 89. Uh, but then the second game of that series, he pitched very well, but it was, it was too late. But you'll hear from Maddox. Look, I, I have enjoyed talking pitching with nobody in this town more than Kyle Hendricks. And Kyle Hendricks was the victim or beneficiary of some Greg Maddox comps very, very early on in his career because of the way he went about his business. And Maddox doesn't shy away from it. All right, you'll hear Greg Maddox next on 670 The Score. Chris Kampka later on, former White Sox outfielder, um, eight men out actor. And current author Ken Berry, the bandit, will join us at 11 o'clock. All of that coming up, plus thoughts about that local clubhouse veteran with a very intriguing baseball movie analogy that he made about his team. We'll get to that as well. All of that coming up right here on Hit and Run with me, Speaks, and you on 670 to score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 